This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the stuff that Matt's got going on in the shop. Maybe you need to get your hands on that new rod. You know, the bummy stick. Oh, he's got them. The seven foot Ninja Dagger, my favorite go-to rod. Yep, got those. Maybe all the way up to the 12 foot. He's got them in stock. Great rods to get your hands on. Definitely could take a look at there. Maybe you need some lures. Yes, lures. He's got them in the shop there too. Bait, fillet knives. Even optics for your firearms. He's got you covered. If you're in the business of selling fishing rods, you need to reach out to Matt because that's right. He's looking to do partners, get himself set up in the wholesale game with you all. So head on over to ninjatechlva.com. Take a look at all the stuff that Matt's got going on in the shop and get your order today. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Things are going good. Hopefully the fishing's been good for you. Uh, winter fishing, it's always rough, man. doesn't matter where you are. I was talking with somebody in South Carolina yesterday, and they were telling me how the weather change has definitely shut it all down. And a few friends here in Florida. But then again, you start seeing people catching limits. So winter fishing's finicky, man. It's, it's an interesting thing. But this week, we're staying local in Navarre, and we are talking to... Oh almost want to call him a legend. The man has been posting a lot and he has been catching quite a bit. If you're in this area, you you probably know him or know of him. He's been crushing it out in the surf in his kayak lately. He's been getting those tunas and some other really good fish. So without further ado, I'm just going to bring him right on the show. Welcome to the show, Mike, aka Redbeard Bryant, man. Welcome. Yes, sir. What's going on, Brian? Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, thank you for coming on, man. I've, I've really... I've been I've been excited about this. I really have. Um, and Justin, we all y'all know Justin's my fishing buddy. He's like, dude, you got to talk to Redbeard. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I, I want to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, good old Justin. I hung out with him yesterday for a little bit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I saw he finally got out in the evening. Uh, finally got he's he's getting there. I mean, before you know it, he's yeah, gonna be out there getting I, tuna. I ratchet strapped him down to the kayak and just towed him out there. <laughs> He didn't tell you guys about that part. No, but, but now, now he's going to have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we got him out there. No, he did really good. For I guess you guys who are listening, you don't know the backstory. Justin, uh, he's open about it. He has a fear of deep water. Yeah. Um, any, anything over his head, he just he's nervous about. And I was really happy, proud of how it went yesterday. He went all the way out past the reefs, almost 80 feet of water, and he did great. I mean, he didn't get nervous or anything. So That's good stuff. Really, yeah, good stuff, man. Well, now he'll go catch a tuna with you, and then he'll, you know, for the summer, he'll be out there doing it and getting it up. So, that we, dude, that's going to be great for him, dude. So, yeah. I'm glad you took him out, man. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, let's get into the podcast here. Um, you guys can find Redbeard on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. He's got a lot of good content out there that's not just... Uh, I mean, it's actually all facets of fishing because I know you do surf. I know you do kayak. You've done boat. You, you do it all, really. So um, I do everything. The only type of fishing that I have not gotten into, honestly, is like shark fishing from the beach. That's just that's not my thing, but everything else I do it. Nice. Okay. 
Well, there you go, everybody. You guys can take a look at all the stuff he's got for content, plus more coming. So you definitely want to follow him and really get, get your education on. So let's dig in. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning here. Let's go ahead and start it. Tell us your story and what got you into fishing. Oh, man. You know, I mean, I grew up in Missouri, so going fishing uh, with my dad on his little, you know, John boat in the lake for bass and stuff like that. But that was never really my thing. I just went because my dad wanted to go. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be how I got introduced to fishing. I'm talking, you know, little young kid, preteens yeah. and, and under. Uh, and then, you know, after, you know, probably uh, later on in high school from that point up until I was about 23, I actually didn't fish. Um, when I was 23, I won't go into too much detail, but long story short, I had a, a car accident and uh, wound up having to have L5S1 back surgery oh dang. um yeah so i was i was down um for like for about a year i was in pretty tough shape i wasn't i couldn't really walk good or or not for long periods of time so i wasn't doing much uh, and i actually wasn't working at the time so i needed something to do and uh i honestly it's been so long ago i don't know if i was just looking on facebook or what but i saw a bunch of guys catfishing and it's like that looks fun <laughs> and next thing you know, I was, you know, had neck deep in catfishing gear and I was going every day. You know, we have, uh, I lived real close to the Mississippi River where we have the big blue cats. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, probably, you know, I would fish lakes for uh, channel cats and, um, you know, little ponds and stuff. And then the Mississippi River was only about 30 minutes from the house. So I was in pretty rough shape physically, but. You know, catfishing is almost, it's basically the same thing as surf fishing. The only difference is, you know, different baits and obviously different body of water, but it's the same style, set rigs, sitting on the river, you know, um, Carolina rig, throw out, cut shad or cut skipjack, just like you would a pompano rig with, you know, sand fleas or shrimp or whatnot. It's the uh, same concept. But, yeah, um, that's uh, that was my introductory to fishing that that was like the that's whenever i really got into it you know yeah okay so it's one way to recover both mentally and physically i like it hell yeah yeah you know it was kind of a struggle getting set up i usually have a friend go with me to help me get set up but after that you know you're just chilling in the chair waiting on a bite so mm -hmm. that that's how i got into it that was nice. like my yeah nice dude and justin yeah. and i were actually just talking it was funny because he was here the other day um we he was coming over to be a good friend, remotivate me. We're like, hey, dude, don't forget, you're going to be okay. But uh, he was like, dude, that's all you need. You just need a friend to set up a rod. Look, we'll put three rods right in front of you. We'll go out that. You don't even have to get up. You can just sit right there. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Oh, so, so Justin got you into fishing? No. Uh, no, for oh. me, actually, uh, for my fishing, surf fishing got me, the way I got into it was Tony Fagioni of Gum. Uh, yeah. I, I found his channel when I was in Tennessee and then I found Bama beach bums channel. And then I just started mm -hmm. going down that hole of surf fishing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what this is. And then we ended up moving to Navarre, uh, not too long after. And it was game on from there. Once after I moved down here, I was completely 100% involved with it as much as I could be. And it, it's just, you know, it, it's taken a lot of my life cause I'm loving it. It's yeah. so relaxing and so fun all at the exact same time and made, met some great people and, Dude, I'm loving it. It's hard not to. Yeah. Uh, yep. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so now you've gone from catfishing, you know, you started with your dad doing that uh, catfishing, and now you fell in love with it, and now you're down here. 
you're doing a ton. So let's talk about this. What type of fishing do you like to do now? Uh, 100% saltwater. Um, okay. I can't pick one. I love it all. I mean, from fishing in the bay for redfish and trout, or sheep's head, to surf fishing for pompano, uh, and redfish and black drum and any other species out there, to kayak fishing for pelagics. You know, obviously right now the blackfin tuna are, are what's running. In the summertime, you know, it's king mackerel and everything else. I mean, I, I just love it all. I couldn't, I can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. Salt I love water it. in general. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. favorite type of fishing? Salt. Got it. Uh, you know, yep. you, I've never had it. How is king mackerel? What is that like? Ugh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, it's unfortunate as much as I love to fish because I do obviously love to fish. I don't love to eat fish. Really? Um, I don't, and I want to because I catch a lot of fish and. I, I do eat it. I, I make myself eat at least one meal a day that has fish in it because we catch so much. But we have a, a lot of, uh, we do have a lot in the freezer right now. You know, the girlfriend eats fish. And uh, she's been making some fish tacos here lately that are actually pretty good. Nice. Um, but as far as the fish that I'll eat, I mean, I'll eat pompano, tuna, you know, the what, what most people consider to be the higher quality meat. But king mackerel. It's such a bloody fish. I mean, that meat is solid red, man. Yeah, it's not. It's. I, I don't want to say it's not good because it depends on who you ask. <laughs> but um, I would say that the majority of people would tell you if you did a if you did a poll, I'd probably about eighty percent of people would say king mackerel's not very good to eat. Wow. All right. Now I'm gonna have to go catch one and try it. That's. <laughs> I, I've I've never had one, so now I'm. I've always been wondering. I've had Spanish plenty of times, and I don't mind Spanish. I like it so. Uh, well, I like I like fish that doesn't really taste like fish. King mackerel uh, definitely tastes. King mackerel is a very fishy tasting fish. Well, king mackerel, okay, got it. I'm gonna have to figure that out for the summer. I'm gonna have to try it and go from there. Well, now we'll move in here. What's your favorite thing about fishing? The adrenaline rush when you get the bite and while you're fighting the fish. Oh yeah. Oh, the tug is the job, man. <laughs> it is. It's like. You know, the only other thing that uh, uh, makes me feel that experience, which obviously I can't experience this anymore, but like all I can think about is like whenever I was in high school, I was a defensive end. And, uh, you know, if I would get like a sack on the quarterback or make a good tackle, you get like that big adrenaline rush and it just feels awesome. That's what I compare it to whenever I hook a fish. It's, it's like that same adrenaline rush. And uh, it is addicting, and catching a fish is about the only way I know how to get that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I just, ev uh, everyone listening is probably like, yes, 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 <laughs> and yes. <laughs> yep, it's pretty good. It's it's very addicting, which is a good thing. There's worse things to be addicted to, oh, for sure. Oh, hands down. Hands down true. What is your favorite fish to target and catch? <sighs> You know, it depends on the time of the year and, and what's hot at the moment. I, I love them all. Right now, I'm hooked on the blackfin tuna. I mean, good grief. It's, they're such a hard-fighting fish, and they're so hard to catch, too. Uh, it's, it's not like you can, you know, go out there and catch them every single time or go out there and catch five at a time. Or, you know, it's uh, – I mean, I've probably gone – I would say out of my last 10 trips that I went out, I've only caught two. And that was this morning I got one and yesterday I got one. But I would say I've probably gone 10 trips in a row before I finally found them again. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, it's like a unicorn almost. And when you finally get one, it is, 
it is a very rewarding feeling. So I guess right now at this very moment that would have I'd have to say that's my favorite just to target, but that could, that's going to change with the seasons. <laughs> uh, so that's one of the cool it's, things. It's, we are super spoiled here in our area because we have such a great oh, fishery. Yeah. You know, whether it's inshore or offshore, the reefs. I mean, you can get to a reef in Navarre in two miles or a mile and a half. You know, you're you're right out there getting after it. You you can have a great day of fishing here. You can. You can, and then the reefs are on fire right now too. You just unfortunately can't keep, uh, to, you can keep, uh, believe like vermilion snapper or, or mingos and uh, a couple other reef fish, but for the most, you know, like red snapper triggers, you just can't keep right now. But you can go out there and have a heyday catching them. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I love our area. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you've, been, you've been after it for a while and now you're, you're just continuing to get better. What is a bucket list fish you hope to catch one day? Selfish. Oh. I don't want selfish. <laughs> Bad. And I, I, it's very possible around here, too. It just has not happened for me yet. Well, I mean, Jack um, caught one in his. Yakking with Jack got some. So I, it was right, yeah. right around where you were, actually. Yeah. Yeah. A selfish or a big bull mahi. A big mahi. I've caught the little, the little peanuts or chicken mahi, the little ones. I've never caught a big one. Okay. Well, sticking so, along the same line of thought here, where would be a dream place for you to go try and fish someday? Florida Keys. Ooh, just down south. Yeah, well, it's a long haul from here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. I mean, yeah. you gotta, you gotta put, it's a day. You're definitely gonna be driving for I, the day. I've been looking at it, and the Keys are further from here in Navarre than Navarre is from my hometown of Missouri, where I'm originally from. <laughs> so even though it's still Florida, it's a long ways down there. Yeah. But definitely, definitely like a, a dream to go there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and start moving into the section of stealing your knowledge. <laughs> All right, sure. Because this part is always one of my favorite with the show because this is the one where everyone can come together and somebody that's brand new learning or if you're already experienced, this section is definitely designed to try to help you get better because that's the only way we all do get better is learning from each other, whether it's super advanced or basic knowledge. It's amazing the things we forget. So let's, here we go into the fishing trips or into the fishing tips with the surf fishing. How do you plan your day to go surf fishing? Well, I like to get there before sunrise. Um, I'm a, I'm a big sunrise fisherman. I, I think that the bite is, is always better in the early hours of the day. I know the tides play a big role, but it seems like that, I guess, twilight uh, area, that twilight time of day is, it just seems like fish are turned on first thing in the morning when the sun's first coming up, no matter what the tides are, in my experience. I, I just always have better luck the first few hours of the day. So that would be the first thing. Okay. Um, then, then, of course, you know, you want, you want moving water, so you can check the tides. And the, the only thing about tides that is unfortunate and, you know, tidal movement is not everyone can say, oh, well, the tidal movement's going to be the best today between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. You know, so it's, it's, well, what if you have to work during those hours or you have something else going on? So, you know, but that is an important factor. If you have the, if you're fortunate enough to where, you know, you have the flexibility to do that and go at those times, obviously checking the tide charts and, and going at the best fishing times for that day can really make a difference. Okay. Perfect. Wow. Moving water, always important. And the downside yes, for us yeah. here, we only got one tide. 
So it's like, all right, we're going to be yeah. moving from here. We should have pretty much the majority of movement, but man, that, that lull time is a long period right there at the high and the mm-hmm. low. Well, now that you've done that with the trip, how do you play, how do you select your spot? Well, it depends. Are we talking about this time of year or summertime? <laughs> oh, both. Let's talk about them both because, I mean, both times it is winter and summer, midwinter, midsummer are definitely the hardest bits of fishing, in my opinion, in this area. Granted, that's not a scientific fact. That's Brian's opinion um, because the water temperature is a just huge, huge factor. So we can do both, man. Have at it. What you got? Well, it's just because summertime, obviously, we have... A lot of a lot of tourists around, and uh, it, the beach can be pretty packed. Even early in the morning, it can be pretty crowded. So I try to choose. I try to select a spot that is going to be more secluded and away from people. You know, I'll go to. Uh, uh, I mean, this is not really secret among the surf fishermen. So, uh, but you know, I'll go to like maybe Opal Beach, for example, and I'll go to the very last parking lot. Yep. Like same. the furthest parking lot to the right. Yeah, and then I'll just I'll just take off walking and try to get as far away from the crowd because there may not be a crowd right there at 6 a.m., but there's going to be one at 8 or there's going to be one at 9. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, there's nothing worse than having, uh, you know, the, the tourists, they, they don't they don't know. You know, you're, I've had guys, you know, people, kids swimming right in front of my lines before, and it can just make for a, a dangerous situation. Somebody can get a hook in them or, you know, you might get in conflict with people. So I try to avoid that. Try to avoid that best I possible possibly can by staying away from the crowds. Um, I know that's not exactly maybe the answer you're looking for as far as where how do I find the fish, but that's the first thing that I do when I'm selecting a spot is make sure I'm away from people. Um, after that, I, I do my best to read the beach. It's that's a that is a struggle area for me is reading the beach. I'll be honest, especially early in the morning when the sun's not really quite up yet. It's kind of hard to see. Oh yeah. Um, it's really hard to see. So, you know, I'll maybe go the day before um, around, I guess, noon when the sun's in, in, you know, high up in the sky and you can see into the water a little bit better and try to try to find areas that way um, and try to hit those same spots the next morning nice. if I have time to do that. A little scouting never hurt yeah. anybody. Yeah, I do a little scouting. But, you know, when it's 6 o'clock at 6 a.m., and some guys may be able to do it, but I guess my eyes just aren't that aren't that good it just all looks like water to me at that time of day um dude it's not it it is (laughs) uh, i've had new i've had a lot of people message me like hey bry how do you read the water and i'm like uh look at it and hope for the best um i mean because it's it's a challenge man i mean you got to find the rips and then you're looking for movement and then on a flat day it's like oh crap where is it you know it's just yeah and you know one of the things that i do especially early in the morning and um, is I, I look at the sand actually yeah, and like look right there. Yeah. Like kind of like where the water looks different in the sand. Like with, you know, if it's, if it's a straight line, of, you know what I mean? Like a straight line of, of, uh, like, I guess the, the water line is straight for, you know, a quarter mile. And then all of a sudden there's this big dip and then it's another straight line for another quarter mile. Well, something about that dip is different. So that's where I want to, that's where I'm going to start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a cheater for me too. I do the same thing. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. And, I, and it was Justin yeah. that taught me that. He's like, well, think about it. The water had more energy to come up, which means there's a hole. I'm like, oh, a hole. Yeah. A hole's yeah. good. We can, yeah. we can fish a hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there, another one that's that's I guess easier for me to read, obviously, is um, the 
You know, I say obviously a lot. I'm getting really nervous this interview. I'm saying the same words. <laughs> oh, dude, I get it. I am the same way. There, I think I've, I've said obviously more in this more in this interview than I've said in the whole last month combined. <laughs> My pet word is so. So I get it. See, right there, it's so so another so. Though <laughs> so, uh, is uh, you know looking at the color of the water when the sun does come up, you can see the darker areas out there, and uh, and that should be. Theoretically, a deeper hole, or that area of the water is deeper than um, the lighter shades. So I'll try to target those areas once the sun comes up and I can see. Yeah. One of the strategies I planned on using this year, uh, and obviously I can't fish for the next few months, but uh, eventually when I get back out, I will be doing this. Y you know, you get out there for the morning bite and you set up you got your whole setup and you're like, all right, I got it all done. And then you get the sun up and you're like, crap, there's a hole down there. Damn it. I got to move. You know, and now what I've decided this year was, okay, I'm going to set where I think I am for my scouting. I'm going to set up two rods and then I'm going to wait. If it blows up, cool. I'm staying there. If not, I'm moving down to the next hole and then I'm going to continue to move because you can put all your eggs in one basket, but if nothing's happening, you got to do something. So, and in the dark, oh, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I started doing, I, I usually fish, if, if I'm going by myself, I'm, I'll do a three rod spread. If my girlfriend's with me, we'll do like a four to five rod spread, depending on how, how we're feeling that day. And uh, one of the things that I do, I do bait checks. I set an alarm on my phone or like a timer on my phone every 20 to 30 minutes. Um, and and uh, that's whenever I check the bait. And every time I go to check the bait, if, unless we're getting action, if we're not getting any action, I'll move like two rods. Like, a, like if I got a, three rods spread, I'll pick up the first two, you know, sand spikes and move them to the right of the third one. So I'm, you know, I'm moving down the beach, you know, 10 to 20 yards at a time, um, every bait check. That way I'm covering more water and uh, fishing new, new, fishing new areas. Cause you can move 10 yards down the beach. You might not catch fish for two hours. You move 10 yards and now you're on them. Yeah. Um, and that's happened to me more often than you'd believe. And, um, that's how I moved down the beach without packing up all my gear and walking half a mile. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That 10 feet make a difference. I don't, one seasoned pro, I will not drop his name here, but he's a commercial fisherman. He's told me, he's like, dude, there are days I fish next to people that I'm blowing it up and they're five feet from me or I can't catch it. And I move over to another spot. Next thing you know, I'm on fire. It's just something yeah. different makes a huge one little change can make a massive difference. So, oh yeah, don't be scared to uh, don't be scared to move that gear. Yeah, and, you know if I got three rods and if I got three rods out, you, usually I got one short, one medium, and one long because you know I'm spreading them out trying to locate where the fish are. And so if I'm not getting a bite like that, well, and from left to right instead of going short, medium, long, when I do a bait check, now I'll do long, medium, short. You know, mm -hmm. and just change, just change where I'm casting, just moving around, trying to find the fish. And once you get it, once you start catching a couple of them, then you move all your rods to that, whatever depth that was at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, good, good info right there. Real good. Real good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not claiming to be an expert. I'm not saying I slay them every time I go out because I definitely don't, but that's my, that's the techniques that I do whenever I do go. You know, man. <sighs> I'm going to go ahead and just say this, it, it, and it's going to be an unpopular opinion. The word expert to me in the fishing world is so, I don't want to say it's overused, but I think it's a little bit overcomplicated because you're always learning. 
I mean, granted, some of us are really great at fishing. I'm not amazing at fishing. I'm not even trying to say I am. But there's so many people that are out there crushing it. And you're like, oh, what are they doing different than me? And it's like, you know, maybe it's just they found a little bit better spot or they're using something different in bait. Don't, you know, it's mm-hmm. we're always learning. So you're never really, quote, unquote, an expert, in my opinion. Again, it's just Brian's unpopular opinion. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, no, it's, it's, it's um uh... And, and I know we're talking about pompano, but I'm going to use what happened this morning, how I caught that black fin tuna as an example. It's all about locating the fish. When we're out there in the kayaks, we're using radios. And um, as soon as someone hooks up, and that black fin on 54 feet. Well, I was in like 48 feet this morning, and somebody hollered on the radio, I got a black fin on, I'm in, I'm in 54 feet. And uh, so what do you think I did? I went straight to 54 feet, and it wasn't five minutes, and I was on. Nice. So it's just all about locating where the fish are. If you're casting, going back to surf fishing, if you're casting where the fish aren't, you're not going to catch fish. It can be really hard to figure out where the fish are. Like I wish I had a magic eight ball that would just tell me. <laughs> but you, you have to, you know, this doesn't work that way. Um, you can read the beach the best that you can. Uh, some people are better than others. Most people are better than me. <laughs> Justin is uh, uh, apparently pretty good at it. I'm not that great at it. So, uh, the, you know, my, my thing when I'm surfacing is moving around and casting to different depths and, dip, and moving left and right until I can find them. Because uh, that works a lot better than, for me than trying to figure out where that, you know, amazing spot is. It's, it's more about moving around until I find them for me. Yeah, yeah, and he is. He's a uh, he's very good at reading water. <laughs> he's, he he's he is, awesome. man. He, I've been out there with him, and he's like, "Yeah, there's a cut right there, and this and that over there." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm looking right at what you're saying, buddy, and I don't see it. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about the bait like this, this is a perfect time for us to do a uh, wonderful mid-show important thing. It is your first bait check of the episode. Make sure you bring that line in. Double check to make sure you still got bait. If you haven't caught fish yet, maybe it's time to move. This bait check is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Kids Can Fish is a state and federally recognized 501c3 charitable foundation. All the camps and clinics and outreaches are funded by the website, merchandise sales, sponsors, and donations. What they do, they put on all these camps for these kids, and they try to get kids out there to continue to fish. They have one major tournament every year, the running of the bulls out in their area in uh, St. Simon Island over there in Georgia. Really cool tournament. I went to it. I loved it. Had a lot of fun there. But you can take a look at all the information. And if you're thinking about trying to do any kind of donations or anything like that, you're looking for charitable donations for certain areas, head on over to kidscanfish.net and take a look at all the information on there. Follow them on social media because they have a lot of cool things that come up from that. Well, with you be talking about setting up your gear and setting everything in there, let's talk about the rigs. So you you talked a lot about with how you set up where you cast, which is all over because you're trying to find the fish. What kind of rigs do you use? Um, I have tried just about everything out there. Um, I'll tell you what I don't like first. I, and I I bought them because they were the biggest, fattest, most expensive thing at the tackle shop. And I (laughs) thought that was the way to go. (laughs) Oh boy, was I wrong. I got a 12 foot shark rods. What I got. Ah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Those, some people love them. The pin carnage threes, 12 foot. Uh huh. You strong rod. 
Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They cast further than anything else I've ever touched. So they can cast far, and they can sling, you know, you could probably sling six ounces. With, I think they're rated for six ounces, maybe more. I can't remember, but it's just, they're just not fun, and they're so heavy. You'll get wore out casting them. And I and I got the uh, the pin I believe pin slammer long cast sixty five hundred so it holds like fifteen miles of line or something crazy. <laughs> uh, that's what I started with. And don't get me wrong, it, they work great. It's just when you catch pompano. I mean, if you catch a three pound pompano, that's a pretty good pompano. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, and nine out of ten times you're targeting pompano when you're surfing. You can catch redfish and black drum, but most people are targeting pompano. And uh, they're just not fun to fight on that heavy of a setup because you're just skipping them across the water. And, you know, like I said, you just, it's just so heavy. It just doesn't feel like fishing. It's more just like you're just like cranking in fish. Um, what I did find that I do love are the TFO rods. Um, and they, they're also expensive. They're actually as expensive, if not more, than the, the carnage rods, but they're lighter. And it almost feels like, like I have some St. Croix rods that I use inshore for redfish and trout, and that's the uh, the TFO rods feel like a uh, they're 11 foot. They feel like an 11 foot version of that. I mean, they're like feather light. I don't know if you have you ever used them before. Oh yeah, yeah. Temple Fork makes a hell of a rod, man. They are amazing. I love them. And you know, you, you can't obviously you can't cast quite as far as you can with the the heavier Carnage three, but you can still get it out there. It's plenty far, you know, far farther than you need to, and fighting fish on them is just i mean a one pound pompano feels great it's a fun fight you have no problem getting them in but you can just feel them and uh it just makes for you know fishing the lighter setups that you know they goes for any form of fishing the lighter your setup the fun of the fight's going to be yeah. the more you're going to feel it um so i uh that's what i've moved to i have all all tfo rods with uh, i use salt x 6000s for my reels Okay, so those are sets up there. Do you do uh, double drop rigs, or do you prefer single? What do you prefer? I mix it up. Um, for whiting, I always throw a rod short. Uh, and when I say short, I mean like 10 feet off the off the sand. <laughs> um, and you would not, I mean, actually, you would believe it because you probably know. But I, mean, I was shocked uh, whenever I first started doing that and started catching fish. I mean, I've caught, you know, slot reds, big black drum, whiting. Right there, like right there in that first trough. I'm talking. You take three steps into the sand, and you know you fall in because it's four foot deeper right there than than what you know you wouldn't expect it. Like right there in that first trough. Yeah. I've caught big fish right there. I mean, just lobbing it. Uh, I think Tony's a big big on that. He is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very was, very was much it, so with it? the runt rod. Yeah, runt rod. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except for I use an eleven foot runt rod. I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a Barbie rod. But um, that's one of. One, <laughs> if I'm not using, so when I, when I go out now, I've always got you know I've got my twelves and everything, but I'll always bring a short rod, uh, whether it's my nine foot dagger or if it's you know maybe a, uh, maybe a smaller, but I'll use that for my close in because I'm like ugh because my nine or my yeah. seven foot dagger's always got a. I've always got a lure on it because I just love throwing mm -hmm. the one ounces on there. But yeah, yep. yeah, first 10, 20, first any zero to 30 feet. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's dangerous, man. There's plenty to catch there. Yeah. So in that range, I always bring one rod with a Carolina rig or a fish finder rig. Uh, it's pretty close to almost, it's almost the same thing. A fish finder yeah. rig and a Carolina. One's got a sliding sink and one, one doesn't. 
Um, well, they both have sliding sinkers, but one of them is a snap swivel that you can change the sinker out, and the other one is just a sinker, I believe is the difference. Um, it's basically the same thing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I use right there because I, I don't use the beads and the floats. It's like literally just swivel, sinker, hook, you know, lead the line hook. Yep. Um, because for, uh, you know, for targeting widening, at least a, a, I don't know if this is factual, but, uh, but upon my research, apparently <laughs> widening, widening uh, uh, bite better when there's less flash going on, less beads and floats and craziness. I don't know if that's, if that's, uh, do, is that what you have always been told or am I, am I making that up in my head? No, you're not making it up in your head at all. For me, I've found that whiting on the closer side, um, throwing them on a Carolina leg with, <clears throat> with like a, I don't know, size six hook and a small piece of shrimp. You just throw that out there and let it sit in that close zone. They'll crush it, man. But when you're throwing it out yeah. far, um, they, they'll hit sometimes, but you got to be in the right zone. I, again, I find that whiting are closer in than better whiting or closer in than further out. Yeah. And for all the rest of my rods, I use, you know, double hook or pom- regular old pompano rigs with floats and beads. Okay. As far as what floats and beads and what colors, I have no idea. I mix it up. I use random stuff. I'll either tie my own or I'll, you know, I shop at half inch a lot. I'll buy the, um, I believe it's salties. Salties rigs is what, uh, okay. half inch carries. Yeah. Salties pompanos. Yeah. They got salties. They got friskies. Yep. Uh, and they got, I think they got theirs too. Yeah, yeah. I've used friskies, salties, and I, and I tie my own. I, I mix it up. They're all they're all good. And then sometimes I will have just a straight up Carolina rig that I cast out, you know, medium to far that I'll put like cut bait or something on. For uh, I'm going for bull reds, but nine out of ten times I just catch a daggum shark. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping for a bull red, you know. Um, I have had, so yeah, you, you bring that up and it's funny cause Justin and I were actually talking about it not too long ago. Now, if I'm on the East coast and I throw cut bait out, there's a great chance I'm going to catch a shark or a bull red. That, then that's been a commonplace discussion amongst numerous people. But when I'm here, I could take that cut bait out there and I'm going to catch a shark before <laughs> I catch a bull red or even before I catch a, a regular a, a slot red. Also with that, I mean, or I'll catch a bluefish because they'll come in and they'll smell it and they'll get after it. I've caught more red drum on a double dropper with fish bites than I have on any other planning way whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, it's totally backwards, man. It's like, everyone's like, oh, you got to use cut bait. I'm like, uh, no, no, I don't have a lot of luck with cut bait. Yeah, it's a lot of sharks, a lot of yeah. sharks. And, you know, some people might think sharks are really, really cool. Like I said, it's just not my thing, especially when I'm using, like, a 30-pound fluorocarbon leader. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I... Usually usually equates to you having to retire your rig. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that was actually the reason that uh, Rogue Reels and I were joking around and all of a sudden something happened with it. He made the demo rig out of his thing, and it's, like, it's heavier mono with bigger hooks. And he's like, why do you want this? Because I'm, like, I'm sick and tired of these toothy things beating my ass. I want something with beef. And of course, I took it to yeah. the East Coast and caught a couple of Atlantic uh, sharp noses. And I was like, oh, damn, the rig's still good. Eventually, I lost. The, the rig broke, but that was uh, at the bottom due to a ro- or the sand beating it up. But yeah, man, those sharks, they just come in like, oh, thanks. I want that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's fine to beef it up a little bit for your like Carolina rig. If you're going for bull reds or sharks yeah. in my, in, in my experience, I mean, all fish, you want to go as light as you can because less chance that they're going to realize, Hey, that's a, 
that's a trap, you know. But in my experience, bull reds don't, or redfish in general don't seem to be very leader shy. They really don't. Yeah. They just smell. They just uh, they smell sneaky stuff, and they're like, I want to eat that. <laughs> <laughs> so you talked so, about uh, a cut bait and shrimp. Does there, do you use any of the artificials? Yeah, I use um, both fish bites and fish scum. Um, usually, I use. I'm a. I am huge on fresh bait. I don't. I do not use frozen bait. If I got to use frozen bait, I'm not going fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I. I well, but I always go fishing because I will. I literally go out into the sound. Um, you know, I should have mentioned this when you said, "What do I do to prepare for going surf fishing?" I always catch my own bait. Um, I go out in the sound and I'll catch shrimp in the sound. And a lot of people don't even know that you can do that. But, I didn't know yeah. we could do that here. Damn, dude. I'm oh, going to have to go dude, out with oh, you so I can learn how to hey, do this. Edit, edit, edit this out of the uh, podcast. <laughs> 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 no. Oh, yeah, man. I'll go out. Me and the girlfriend will go out with dip nets and headlamps, and we'll catch 100 shrimp in, within an hour. No kidding. That's friggin' awesome. I swear. And and blue crab, too. That's another great bait that we use yeah. for our redfish rod, blue crab. Oh, crab yeah, is great. And it's, it's not hard to do, and it's fun. I know we got crab here. I've heard about the blue crab, and everyone tells me, like, dude, you just got to drop a net. You'll get plenty. But, man, I, I've, I've just been too lazy. The shrimp, though, I, I always thought we had to go to the back bay. No, Crazy. man, they're right here in the sound. They're right there in the sound in the grass. You go out there at nighttime, like, it can be right as soon as it gets dark. Just go out there with a headlamp. And walk around and oh, anywhere yeah. from six, you know, six inches to two foot of water out there in the grass, and just shine your headlamp, look around, and have like a, a dip net, like the bigger white dip net they sell at Walmart or Half Hitch. Mm-hmm. It's like ten bucks for a net, but uh, yeah, just look with your headlamp, look for the orange, or well, little orange eyes will be glowing, and you'll see them, and you just kind of gotta like creep up on them because they will run from you. They'll start flipping and run from you. So you, the trick is you get close to them, and then you about i'd say about a foot away from you kind of bury your net like under the sand like an inch and scoot it up underneath them and then lift that way they don't see the net coming because it's buried under the sand they don't know that it's happening and you just scoop them up i did that a lot this year because maybe you can let me in on a secret that i don't know but i couldn't find sand this year and the ones i did find were like gargantuan oh i got a place for you buddy I got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the springtime, it was fine. I could find sand fleas everywhere. But as soon as it got hot, like summertime, I couldn't find them. Yeah, they Not here in the bar. They're, they're yeah. here. We just have to go We have to go to another place. But they're, they are here. You can find them. Uh, it just depends on how you got to do it. But, yeah, we could talk after the show. And, yes, listeners, I'm sorry. I'm not giving away that secret <laughs> online. No, not doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, I always catch live shrimp. Or um, I, I did order some, uh, some, not the PVC pipe ones, but I ordered the cause PVC pipe ones work, but not that great. The, the aluminum ones, I ordered a couple of those for me and the girlfriend. We go out and pump ghost shrimp. Yep, go shrimp pumping is good uh, times. Man, I'll tell you, that's hard. I wear my back brace when I do that. It's hard on your back. <laughs> it is hard on your lower back. It is. Um, and and another thing, talking about my rigs, when we do go with ghost shrimp, ghost shrimp is very tedious. It takes a long time to. It's not like you cut a regular shrimp in half and pop it on the hook. You gotta yeah. get it out, hook it through the tail or whatever, and then wrap it with the magic thread. If you if you guys are listening, you don't know what I'm talking about because I know not everybody fishes with ghost shrimp you have to ghost shrimp they're kind of like regular shrimp but they're way more squishy like they'll fall off the hook so you have to wrap them with this thread called magic thread it's it 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 takes like a hundred times longer to put them on the hook than it does a regular shrimp you have to put it on the hook and then wrap it with the magic thread 
and it's tedious. It just, it's very time consuming. So whenever I'm going to be fishing with ghost shrimp, I go to all fish finder rigs. I don't use pompano rigs for when I'm fishing with ghost shrimp. Or if I do use, if I do use pompano rigs, like the double hook rigs, I'll put ghost shrimp on one of the hooks and then like fish bites or fish gum on the other. Yeah. Yeah. I normally will do close to that as well, or I'll put a piece on before it's that way it's double because that stuff's i mean if you guys have never fished with a ghost shrimp it is stupid fragile (laughs) it It is is ridiculously fragile it's almost like frozen bait it's like mush it'll fall right off the hook yeah i had to use Um, uh, i had to use some mesh bags for it i tried that trick this last year for using mesh bags i ended up catching flounder with it not a pompano yeah but a lot of guys will tell you ghost shrimp is the number one bait for pompano and I, I want to share a tip with you that I found out. I don't think many people know about. And it was an older guy who shared it with me. And I tried it, and I couldn't believe it. It worked like a charm. Ghost shrimp are hard to, like, keep alive and keep fresh. You, you go catch 50 of them, you throw them in a bucket with an aerator, they're dead the next day. Yeah. And um, the reason why is because they're they're using the bathroom on themselves and you know, in your bucket, and it, it kills them. So what you actually – what you can do – is get a Ziploc bag, like a big Ziploc bag, or like a plastic container. Get a, a paper towel and get it just damp in the salt water. Not like sopping wet, but like, you know, get it wet in the salt water and then wring it out so where it's just barely damp. And put it in the plastic container or, or the Ziploc bag, whatever you're using, and put all your ghost shrimp in there and throw it in the fridge. They'll live for like two, three days and keep their color. They may not actually be alive, but they keep their color and they're fresh. That's good. For like three days. Yeah, it actually works like a charm. It works better than and I've I've tried man, I'm I'm crazy. When I get into something, I'll try everything so I figure out what works. And I tried everything. That works best for ghost shrimp. I've heard about the damp technique with shrimp. I didn't know you could do it with ghosties. That's pretty cool, man. Good it, great, great tip it, to share. Thank you. Yeah, it works. I promise you it works. No, I believe it. Man, I yeah. really do. Dang, that's freaking a win right there in itself. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Well, um, I know you move around a bit. Uh, you fish a lot in this area and you were coming into the new zone and all that, and you've learned quite a bit. What do you do when you go to a new fishing, a new place to fish? Man, I mean, same thing that we've already talked about. I just look for the, the best areas. I try to read the beach the best I can. and I just set up and, and keep moving until I find the fish. Dude, it makes sense. That's, <laughs> it's yeah. the easiest thing to do, right? That's the best technique that I've found. That's, that's what I stick to. You know, I don't ever just stay in the same spot for three or four hours if you're not getting bites. You always need to be moving. And it can be a pain. It's such a hassle surf fishing to pack up all your stuff and move down the beach. I get it. Like I, I, It's frustrating. But it's either that or you're not going to catch fish. Yeah, you got to make the choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, either that or you're just going to sit there and bake in the sun for no reason. <laughs> I'm, oh, man, I will admit, I'm, and you all know this about me, I have I have been a victim of doing that to myself so many times. It's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to force them to bite. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're not going to bite, dude. You, you got to move down the beach. Yeah, man. I, I want to tell you one more thing. Yeah. And this is, uh, I, I don't mean to get a sidetrack, so it can help us stay on track, but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I forgot to tell you. You know, my girlfriend, Amber, you know that um, Goodbye Pompano tournament? Oh, of in, course. Uh, I will be there. Perdido Key? Okay. Amber took third place in that tournament this year. Yep. And I was so proud. Or last the fall. And I was, you know, I, was, I was more proud, excited, and stoked than she was. <laughs> but she took third place. And you know what? She caught that Pompano. It was like 3.3 pounds, I think. She caught it on a blue crab. 
Oh yeah, crab knuckles, man. Or, crab knuckles are glorious. Or, yeah, or not a blue crab, a stone crab. It was a stone crab because we were talking about crabs. You said you hadn't really tried crabs. It was a stone or not a stone crab. What are they called? The ones that are in the surf. We were fishing with pompano rigs, and I hooked one in the claw and reeled it in. You talking about the leopard ones, like a leopard crab? I guess so. like the spotted looking ones, yeah. like the orange yeah. color in the yeah. surf. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hooked one of those in the claw and reeled it in off of a pompano rig. I guess he was eating my shrimp and got hooked. And I was like, let's, and we hadn't caught anything three days. It was like, it was like the second, second or third day of it. And I mean, we had fished like 12 hours every day and we hadn't caught anything. And uh, we were fishing with all fresh ghost shrimp, fresh shrimp, everything. And, uh, and yeah, man, I put a, a, a little, a little uh, crab claw on there, not claw, but a crab knuckle on there. And that's what she caught that fish on. Dude, crab knuckles are an underrated bait. I will be the yeah. first to tell, because I learned it from Chip, the sinker guy. I, I He's the one that introduced me to crab knuckles. I'm like, this is the ridiculous bait. And all of a sudden, I'm like, holy crap, things eat this a lot. <laughs> and it's yeah, such and a good know, bait. And you're really increasing your odds of catching a redfish or a black drum when you're using crab, too. Oh, yeah, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've caught some, I've caught some great fish with the old crab knuckles, and I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will happily. It's funny because sometimes you can't get your hands on the fresh crab. And if you want to, cause if it's out of season, I mean, you're paying way through the nose for it. But I found, uh, I go pick some freezer ones up as much as I hate to, but I can go get crab out of the freezer section, uh, from local store here, go out mm-hmm. and still use it. It does. Okay. It's not as great as fresh, but it still does. Okay. So if yeah. you need crab, yeah, you go get it and make it work. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, if you try that shrimp trick at nighttime with the headlamp, they catch, we catch crabs the same. We bring two buckets with us. One we put crab in and one we put shrimp. Same way. They're just right there in the grass. You can see them. It's funny because I know where you go because Justin told me. And he's like, dude, we got to go do it. I'm like, oh, okay. But, and it's so funny because it's like I never would have thought of that. And it's so ridiculous that it's – it's almost like common sense and I completely punted it. And I think it's great that you guys do that. I think it's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a big secret because me and Amber this, this year there for a few months, we were going surf fishing every day. So we were catching bait every night and we were the only people out there doing this. And anyone I've ever told it to was like, Oh my God, I didn't know you could do that. So I, I guess it's like a, a big secret, but you know, it's on YouTube. I just guess that people don't think to do it around here or, and the greatest part about it, especially in the summertime when you know, it's tourists and everybody's going fishing, man, half inch is sold out of bait. I mean, half oh, inch yeah. is, they're almost always sold out of shrimp. So you can't go buy it, even if you want. And, you know, it's just $5 for, well, it's like $5 a dozen, I think. I mean, it's going to add up to get fresh live shrimp. So save yourself a lot of money, have, have some fun, and guarantee that you can get bait because the bait shops are sold out a lot. Right yeah. Here. That's good knowledge that you shared. So thank you for yeah. doing that. Um, this, yeah. this next question, I think you already pretty much answered it, but adjusting your tactic, or how do you adjust your tactics when the fishing isn't on fire? And what you said earlier was move. So I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything else you'd like to expound on that? You know, I mean, move, change baits, not only moving, but, you know, casting your spread into different depths, different, you know, short, medium, long, so, you know, maybe, maybe go medium, long, short, or just switching it up. Trying to trying to find the fish, you know, if, if moving one rod down every bait check or, you know, two rods down every bait check's not working, then maybe you're just in a very dead zone. Pack up and move, you know, keep walking down the beach and try to find something different. 
something out in the water looks different, a darker hole or, you know, darker water, something on the beach that looks different. Because, you know, like we said earlier, if there's if the beach contour, whatever word you want to use for it, hey, I grew up in Missouri, I don't know big words good. But, you know, <laughs> if, the, if the shape of the sand on the beach is different, that's running out into the water. There's a reason why it's different. So there's a change in the water there too, you know, just – just move. I don't really know if there's another answer to what you can do. You just got to keep moving until you find them. Hey, whatever works, man. I mean, you already talked about it right there. Sometimes you just got to do that. So, well, yeah. perfect. Well, now we're going to move into the fun stuff here. We're going to move into your YouTube channel. But let's before we do that, let's get our bait check in. It is your second bait check of the episode. Hopefully you're limited out and heading home by now and just listening to this in the car because that would be great. This bait check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. DSCustomTackle.com, and you got a bunch of good stuff here. Maybe you are a rig maker. Hey, they got you set up for that on wholesale if you need it. They got a whole bunch of stuff. You need hooks, swivels, clips, done. Slider sinkers, easy day. Beads, sure, why not? Hooks, set up. Or maybe you want some already pre-tied ones. You got the new BS Old Barry, his custom rig, partnered up with DS Custom Tackle. They got it on the site. His Pompano rigs that he uses over on the East Coast. Good stuff right there. Again, dscustomtackle.com. Get your order in and get it all set up to go fishing. Oh, man. The old YouTube world is an interesting world because, yeah, I mean, so many people use it to learn and they get a lot of great stuff from it. You have a YouTube channel, and I know it's a little bit different than surf fishing, but I still want to talk about it. Uh, what made you want to start a YouTube channel? Man, I started my YouTube channel over a decade ago. I think if I looked it up the other day, like <laughs> 13 is. years ago. <laughs> you did start it a little while yeah. ago. I saw it, I was like, huh, it's been around for a minute. You know, back back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> back when I was younger, um, <laughs> I'm not even that old. I don't know. You're, you're definitely younger I, than me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm definitely older than I used to be. <laughs> Aren't we all, right? Yeah, man. Um, Man, I found a little niche. I've always done, I don't even want to say uh, side gigs because many side gigs I've turned into full-time income. Um, so this was actually a full-time income for me. What I, what I did many, many years ago uh, was uh, buying and selling used and broken electronics, mostly smartphones. This is back when like the iPhone 3G was a thing. And uh, I was involved in like a community of, I guess hustlers, if you want to call it that, that uh, just all kinds of different ways of making money. Um, you remember uh, back whenever like picking and like uh, storage auctions and stuff like that used to be yeah. a big thing on reality TV. Yeah. So I did a lot of that. I did a lot of that stuff in real life, like going to auctions, storage auctions, real auctions, um, yard sales, thrift stores. I mean, that's how I used to make money back then. And um, I thought it would be cool to share my experience with you know because other people that's how i discovered it was watching people on youtube so i started doing it started having success with it. I, like, I want to make a youtube channel too <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how i started my channel and uh, that was before i knew anything about monetization and i didn't know you could make money off of off of doing that but yeah so that's how i got into it and it was 13 years ago and my channel has changed i've changed my niche a dozen times since i can't stick with anything for very long apparently you know life throws your curveballs things change but you know, I've had, I've done gaming. I used to be a World of Warcraft nerd. I posted 
a lot of World of Warcraft Ooh, videos. The and danger of WoW, the the oh, hours man. associated of life in that game. I have heard <laughs> from numerous people are like, yeah. dude, I've got I've got a lot of my life put into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, fishing replaced that for me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just all kinds of stuff, and um, and uh, I was actually uh, I was inspired to do that. I was watching Steve Douglas. I don't know if you know who that is. But uh, he's real big in like Mississippi River, or I don't think it's even Mississippi. He fishes some river with like big blues and flatheads, and and uh, you know. So I actually have a lot of old catfishing videos. Man, I you know I I don't I don't think maybe I'm getting sidetracked here, but I just post <laughs> what you know my YouTube channel. I, you know who Jack Motley is, I'm sure. Oh right? yeah, well, I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know him personally, yeah. so if he's listening to this, yeah. which he's not, but if he was listening to this, I'm like, I don't know him. I just know of him. Mm-hmm. So I discovered his channel through kayaking. Of course, he was big on kayaking. I don't even think he posts kayak videos, and he does. He'll post about whatever. He's, you know, real estate, WD-40, restaurant reviews. His channel is just like a variety of stuff. And so that's what, obviously, my channel is nowhere near as successful as what his is. But uh, that's kind of what my channel was. It was just a variety of stuff. And I didn't do that intentionally. My interest just changed. And as my interest changed, I uploaded different types of content. And now I'm 100% fishing. I'm... I actually have another channel called Redbeard Fishing. When I lived here in the area, I li- this is not my first time here. I lived here in this area like five, six, about five years ago. And I have probably 40 videos that are all fishing. I created a separate channel just for fishing. Long story short, I can't post to that channel anymore. So I've gone back to my main channel, which is just Redbeard, which I have way more subscribers on Redbeard. Anyway, I got uh, almost 16,500 subscribers on Redbeard, which for me, that's an impressive number, but you know, most of them are not in, I'd say 90% of my subscribers are not engaged with my current content because they're subscribers that I gained doing different niches other than fishing. So they're not really watching my fishing content. Mm-hmm. But from this point on, my channel is gonna be 100% fishing content. Mm, perfect, man. So there you go, everybody. You can go back to the channel, take a look at all that stuff. Oh man, it's kind of weird to ask you this question, I guess, but what is the goal of your channel? Man, just, just grow. You know, yeah. I want to keep growing. I, it's very, I spend a lot of, uh, I, I work really hard. Not that I work any harder than any of the other guys, cause I'm sure they do too, but you know, I work really hard on, um, getting out there and, and recording the content. That, that's the hardest part about, um, running a fishing channel is actually catching fish. Because people might watch my videos and think, oh, that guy goes out there and slaughters fish every time. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't. You, It is not. No. You don't get out there to that little spot. And every YouTuber that's come on has said that. Like, you see the catch, but you don't see the eight and a half hours that was in between these. You, you're not seeing all these other sad moments. Yeah, or the 10 trips that I made before I finally <laughs> caught one. You know, yeah. I mean, seriously, I can't tell you how many surf fishing trips we made this year that I didn't catch a single fish. I guess what I'm trying to say is putting in really hard work, getting the content, editing. I try really hard to tell a story with my videos. Like I don't just want to hit the camera and say, okay, I'm hooked up to a fish and then catch it and say, well, here's the fish. You know, I try to make an intro. Hey guys, here's what I'm doing today. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm targeting. This is how I'm targeting it. This is where I'm going. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, and make it entertaining, throw a little comedy in there, make people laugh. And, uh, try to tell a story about what I'm doing that day and, and make it as entertaining as possible 
so I guess that's my goal. I want to I want to be known as like someone who's fun to watch and and you know people enjoy watching my content and yeah. just continue growing. You know, good on you. I don't. Man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever get to the level that like you know Brant and Beach Bum and and you know all those guys that you know, all the big well known guys are. But I'm I, that's my goal is to get to that level. Yeah. So what has been one Sorry. of the biggest lessons learned after running a channel? Keep up with consistency is everything. And that is, that is probably the biggest thing that's hurt me. Um, as far as why I'm not where I want to be yet is because I haven't been consistent. I wouldn't exactly say it's a fault of my own. <laughs> I was, uh, I worked for AT&T for uh, five of the last seven years and uh, I was living here and I was hardcore on fishing content. Like I said, I made about 40, almost 40 videos, 30 to 40 videos in the year, one year that I lived here. And that was while working a full-time job. Uh, and then eight, and then they transferred me to Arkansas. Ooh, Arkansas. So, Ooh. Yeah, man. And I was gone for five years. We just made it back in March of last year. We've been here. We've been back for almost a year. And I don't know if you've ever moved, especially across the country before, but it takes a long time to get settled in. <laughs> and, you know, I had to, I had to rebuy all my fishing gear. And then, you know, I pretty much forgot how to fish more. I had to, I had to like YouTube how to tie a freaking uni knot. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to relearn everything again. Uh, but uh, to get to the point, consistency is everything. If you're not consistent, you know, you have to upload frequently. You have to put out a lot of content. You can't just like, upload three or four videos and expect to blow up. I mean, you got to put out tons. And if you go and look at the guys who are successful, I mean, they got out hundreds of videos and they're uploading, you know, once or twice a week sometimes. So just consistency is, I would say is the number one thing. And don't worry about how many views you're getting because you might upload 20 videos over the course of a few months and maybe none of them, will take off now maybe you know that you might get three or four hundred views on one of them tops and you know you might get upset about that but two years from now that video has three or four hundred views might end up getting fifty thousand. yeah because you, you just never know when one of your videos i have a video i have videos that have gone what i would consider viral over half a million views that were just like <laughs> videos that i don't even know why i uploaded like two or three minute long videos of me just doing something random like ones of me doing bench press and it's got like 300,000 views like just doing a set of bench press <laughs> like I, I put like no work into that video i just set my phone up did some reps and you know gave it a fancy title and it blew up and that's one of my most popular videos and you know so it's just you're hitting you know just get started and stay consistent that's that's the biggest thing and again i'm not a big time successful youtuber at least not yet but um, I do watch all the ones who are, and I think I do know what, it, what it takes. And that, that would probably, if you were to ask them, the guys who've actually done it and are successful, that's probably what they tell you too. Consistency and consistency, mm -hmm. persistency. <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually what they all say. Be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So has running, a, has running a channel now that you've been doing a lot more in the fishing one, has it helped you become a better angler? Uh, yeah, it does because you're, you're extremely motivated I'm already, uh, like, when I get into something, I, I don't just kind of, like, sort of get into it. I get obsessed with it. Whatever it is that I'm setting my mind to or into at that time, I'm, like, 100 mile an hour. That's I'm, I'm totally focused on that. Nothing else matters. <laughs> so um, I'm already kind of that way. But 
you know, knowing that I need to make videos, I need to make content, that means that I need to catch fish. So I'm like, whatever I'm targeting, I'm heavily researching. Like, you know, right now the, the tuna are what's in, so I'm like heavily researching tuna. I'm over here YouTubing every single thing that I can about tuna, Googling, reading about tuna, and talking to all the guys who I know catch them consistently, asking them what they're doing, you know. Because I know that if I want to make videos, I have to catch you. Nobody wants to watch me just go out there and pedal around and say, well, guys, I tried. <laughs> you know, they want to see that fish. <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would say it does. It, it has pushed me to become a better angler because the goal is always to catch fish. But whenever you feel like you need to make content, then it just like text to know. Like, it goes from I want to catch fish today to like I have to catch fish today. So you have to try really hard. It, it, you know, it's not just casual anymore. It's you get, you get serious. <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, true. Uh, I hope that's the answer you're looking for. I'm not sure. Oh man, there's never an answer I'm looking for. I just I always want to hear what somebody's <laughs> thoughts are. I mean, that's the most important. Well, that's part. A, yeah, that's my that's kind of what my thoughts are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I mean, seriously, congratulations on building that, and you know, you're you're, you're continuing. So great job, and congratulations, seriously. Thanks, man. You're very welcome. Well, now the perfect one. We're going to move into the closing questions. And I love this because, I mean, you're almost free. So, but before we do that, we'll go ahead and knock out the important one. It is your last bait check of the episode. Man, I hope you had a good time out there and you caught a bunch of fish. And I hope this episode has helped you out for your next one because that's the most important part. This bait check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at what Chip's got going on in the Sinker Guy garage. You need rigs? Man, he's got them. He's definitely got them. The Bruno rig. If you haven't heard about the Bruno rig, you're missing out. Lots of cool stuff that's going on in there. Very interesting how, well, I don't know, somebody recently posted that that's the only rig that was catching that day. Very weird. I don't know. Boy, he's also got the mortician rig, my absolute favorite, because it is super versatile and you can change it up so many different ways and fish it however you need to. Terminal tackle, got you covered. Any kind of pieces there for the sinker guy method beads and floats, rigs, bait, got you covered there. And of course, sinkers. So head on over to thesinkerguy.com and get your order in today. Well, with this being the last set of questions, you're almost free. I don't know what to do with myself. This time always flies by when you're on the phone. So when you've got a brand new angler, uh, that's one thing we run into a lot here is, you know, I'm just starting out. I just kind of want to get into it. That's cool. We're here for you. So what knowledge would you give to a brand new angler starting out in the surf? Man, keep it, keep it simple. Don't do what I did. Don't go out and drop $300 on a carnage three rod because it's the most expensive one to have to shop and you think it's going to magically catch fish. Because <laughs> <laughs> I promise you it doesn't, right? It's, the fish do not care what kind of rod and reel you have. They care about your bait presentation. The rod and reel is there for casting it out there and reeling it in. Um, so do, I guess don't go out and, and break your bank account buying all this freaking gear because when it boils down to it, fishing is really not that complicated. You know, go get yourself a, a budget rod and reel, especially if you're just starting out, you know, like a, oh, what is that, a pin fierce combo, like a nine foot pin fierce combo. I mean, like 60 to 80 bucks you can use nine foot because that works good for the pier or for surf um, but if you're wanting to solely fish to surf i would say get you get you a 10 foot because it's easy to transport in a car or a truck go ahead and buy the pre-made pompano rigs that'll take a lot of stress off of you learn how to tie rigs um, they'll last you a while get yourself a handful of pompano rigs you know 
if you're just starting out, you probably want to go ahead and buy your own shrimp. Go ahead and buy it fresh or live. And uh, you're going to need some sand spikes. You can get the cheaper plastic ones for, for just starting out. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, sand spikes, rod and reel, get yourself some fresh shrimp and go out there, try to, try to find something in the beach or in the surf that looks a little bit different than everything else and start there. I would say start with at least two rods, three if you want to swing that, and cast out there. And if you're not catching fish, start moving. And eventually you'll find them. So just keep it simple. Shrimp is probably the, the easiest bait to get your hands on. Sand fleas is something that works great when you can find them. I mean, I love sand fleas. They're easy to use, a great bait, but sometimes they can be complicated to find. You can also use frozen shrimp. If you can't get fresh shrimp, get frozen shrimp especially if you're just starting out, and fish spice or fish gum. You want to use shrimp and then tip it with fish spice or fish gum. It adds a little extra flavor, and, and uh, it'll uh, help keep your bait on, too. And, yeah, I would go with what I just said. That's as simple as it, as it gets, I think. Just don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Because that's really all you need to catch fish. I mean, you couldn't have made it any simpler. That's brilliant, dude. Way to go. That's, yeah, <laughs> you nail every question I had following up for this. I'm like, oh, okay, we can just nail it in one. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm just try, trying to be thorough, man. Oh, trying you, to, you, you know, you streamlined I'm just it. Thinking like, I'm just thinking, if I'm just starting out fishing, I've never fished a day before in my life. What do I want someone to say to me? And that would be it. Oh man, that's great way you thought of it and the great way you answered it. So, very, very well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you took it down to the last one here. So, the important question, what's next for you? Man, I'm just going to keep fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep fishing. I'm ready for the spring. I'm ready for the pompano run for sure. Yeah. I've, I've gone out recently a few trips, and, you know, I'll be honest, I've been getting skunked. So, I just, uh, I may, I may uh, hold off on the surf a little bit um, until the springtime, and then I'll be heavily into it heavily going again well i mean you're catching tuna <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, come on man <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm chasing tuna. you know but you know the only the bad thing about chasing tuna and what's great about surf fishing you can go surf fishing seven days a week almost, yeah. almost. dude tuna i mean today's the last day of it it's gonna be um all the way up until sunday sunday we're gonna have we're gonna have seven foot swells yeah. seven foot seven footers yeah, and it's three to five foot every day up until Sunday. Yeah, that's kind of uh, counterintuitive to a kayak. Yeah, I won't be out there. <laughs> I wouldn't be out there. In, I wouldn't be out there in a boat. No, definitely not gonna be out there in a kayak. So you know, that's that's a uh, that's the great thing about surf fishing. Unless it's lightning or heavy rain, you know, you can pretty much go, and you don't have to worry about the conditions as much. You do have to worry about them still, but not as much. Yeah. Um, Damn, dude. It's been great. So, Way to go. Man. So much of this interview has been so good. So seriously, this is awesome. <laughs> good, man. I appreciate it, man. I know you but, weren't yeah, expecting you it. Know. <laughs> you were like, what am I gonna what is this gonna be like? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it was fun, man. But yeah, yeah, for me, you know, I just uh whatever whatever fish is is uh, uh prominent, I guess, at that moment, that's what I'm going for. Okay. So that, that's what's next. That's what's next for me. Whatever's biting hot right now, that's what I'm going for. Nice. Well, seriously, Mike, thanks for coming on, dude. You, you've done a lot of great knowledge on here, shared a ton of it, and you've been you've been showing how successful you are out there. And I, am, for one, am very excited to go fish with you this year as soon as I'm healed up, man. Really am. 
It's awesome, man. I hope you get better soon. I hope you have uh, a good healing process. Uh, one way or another. <laughs> hope it's not too hard on you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be something. Hopefully this thing gets done real quick. But thanks for coming on the show. Look forward to seeing you out there. And uh, we'll uh, I'll get, make sure I get all of the things tagged for your social media, and you'll be good to go, man. All right? All right, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm honored to be on here. Oh, I'm, I'm honored you came on. So thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. All right, man. See you later. Bye. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this episode was good for you because I learned a bunch. I uh, seriously, I know you probably could tell what, what part I was learning. Cause I always got a little excited there, but yeah, Redbeard has been pretty consistent. He may not have given himself enough credit. The dude is great. He really is He's a great angler and a really cool person. So, uh, I hope that this episode helped you out and helps you out in the uh, surf fishing time. When you go back out there, yeah, take a look at his information, take a look at his Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. He's got a lot of stuff to share and hopefully it'll help you out when you go fishing next time. This has been Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. I'm glad you were here. Look forward to seeing you next week. New episodes. Don't forget, come on back. It's going to be fun. I am out of here.